lesson of modern education is Woke kids step, wise kids step, college kids step I'm woke Read more, learn more, change the globe You must learn This is Woke Wise College Kids Hi there. Welcome to WokeWise College Kids. I'm your host, Dr. Erin, founder of Be Preppy College Coaching. Thank you for listening and subscribing. On this episode, my guest, Katie Oliveira, a fellow college coach, and I discuss how to maximize your college degree. There is much discussion in the media of the seemingly dwindling value of a college degree. The debate centers around rising costs and employers saying that even college graduates lack essential workplace skills. Katie and I don't share this perspective at all. We both feel that students don't take advantage of in-class and out-of-class experiences and resources that tuition provides. No matter what institution you attend, you should get the maximum value of your degree. You should make sure that you have the tools, skills, and the network to ensure you live your best post-grad life. College is an expensive investment. The average four-year degree is more than $40,000. Make sure you get your money's worth. After the episode, visit BePreppy.com to explore our coaching services and tips to help you maximize your college degree. Happy listening! On today's episode, we have Katie Oliveira. She's the founder of Collegehood LLC, a college success coaching practice, and the host of Collegehood Advice Podcast where she shares expert advice, strategies, and insights to help students live their best life, even during college. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Erin, so much for having me. Thank you. So today's episode, we are talking about how to maximize college. And I'm so excited to have you on to have like-minded people. You're a college coach. I'm a college coach. And we go about helping students in the same way. I think we have the same heart for higher ed. And I'm so excited to hear what you have to say about this topic. So a couple of warm-up questions, fun questions. What college did you attend? So I got my undergrad from Baylor University here in uh, in Waco, Texas, and I got my master's degree from the University of Houston in Houston, Texas. So we are neighbors, neighboring states. Houston is about <laughs> four hours away from us. So what type of college student were you? So I was a I'll start with what kind of high school student, because I think that informs what kind of college student I became. And I think this might be a familiar story to a lot of people. I come from a a working class background. I'm the first person in my immediate family to go to college. Neither one of my parents went to college. My mom graduated high school and my dad um, got his GED. But I was always a really bright kid and I loved academics. I love to learn more about people. And so in high school, I was a really good student. I was sixth in my class. I was student council president, co-editor of the yearbook. You know, I was a go-getter. And, but, you know, looking back, I didn't have to do a lot. Like I thought that being um, smart was about just naturally being able to do things. And I didn't really study or work hard. And so that translated into what kind of college student I was. I was a very socially oriented college student. It was really important to me 
to have a boyfriend and to make a lot of friends and to not be left out and to do silly things. And I wasn't necessarily a big time party kid, although I definitely did a little bit of that, but it was more about hanging out with people, talking until wee hours of the morning and that kind of thing. And because of that, I was in for a real rude awakening in my early college life because I thought that just going to class, I would hear lectures and I'm like, this makes sense. I totally get this. And then I would go to the test and be like, I don't know any of this stuff because I learned that they weren't really testing me for my knowledge. They were testing me for my ability to apply. And that requires a different kind of learning. It took me a long time to do that. And so eventually, I became a more organized, stronger student. But I started out of the gate, I think, like many students, really focused on making friends and having a good time and less focused on my schoolwork. That sounds so familiar. I was a social butterfly, but I didn't have quite the autonomy to do it because I was also a biology major. So Mm. I wanted to be a social butterfly. I did. I merged the two. But from my high school to college transition, I said I didn't want to be the perfect student. So I gave myself a little wiggle room and I think I may have given myself too much. But I think uh, the whole college experience uh, and that's kind of what we want to talk about today. I made a conscious decision to say, hey, Aaron, you may have to make a, a couple of concessions on that perfect GPA. It's college, it's biology, but you should continue to do your organizations, be a leader and get involved. So I had to definitely balance. And that was, it was difficult, but in the end, when I look back, it was definitely worth it. So we do share some some similarities there. What Erin, I started off as a biology major too. I just didn't take it very seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I quickly learned that pre-med was not for me. (laughs) Well, it took me a little while. (laughs) Well, I, I completed biology, but then I realized I didn't want to be in a lab all the time that I'm an introvert mm-hmm. that didn't want to be all the way introvert. Like I need a balance, like talk to me, but then leave me alone kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. so I stuck yeah. with biology <laughs> and did science ed, which was a perfect combination for me. What was your favorite college memory? Oh, I had the opportunity um, my junior year to study abroad in Maastricht, the Netherlands, and it was actually a pre-med trip, and it was through Baylor, and so it was a more affordable opportunity than some of the others because it was all paying for your normal Baylor tuition. It wasn't like an extra cost, and so I was able to go. Um, We had to take out some loans for the travel expenses and things, but um, we did, and I'm so glad we did. I think it was worth taking that financial investment because I learned so much. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about being an adult and navigating Um, the world by myself. I learned a lot about other cultures and how to travel. I saw so much. It was so much fun. Um, And it was one of the most transformative um, experiences of my life. And I think when I think back on my college experience, it's the thing that looms largest in my mind. And I think informs a lot of who I am and my openness to understand people who are different from me and learn more about cultures that are different from me and my 
desire to um, get out there and explore. And so it was oh such a good time. And I'm so grateful to have had that opportunity. And I encourage students to do some kind of travel. And there's a lot of ways to do it um, when varying costs. And so I think for me, it's super important to get outside of where your comfort zone is physically as much as it is mentally and academically. I think that is so true. Those it's crazy how those little moments in college can be so transformative that you don't think about it. But I definitely agree. And that's actually one of my college regrets is not pushing the boundary to go to study abroad. But I just didn't have the mentors. My mentors are great, but I didn't have that one specific mentor to say, hey, Aaron, try this. Mm -hmm. I did, however, because I come from a a small rural kind of rural town. Amy, Louisiana, and my parents were first, uh, I'm first gen, my parents didn't go to college. So I had the opportunity to take my first plane ride in college, which was, you know, equivalent to (laughs) big trips for me. It was my first uh, flight to Chicago. And so I'm grateful that I was able to have that college experience and have my college to pay for it. So that was my biggest college regret was not pushing to go and do study away or study abroad, which leads us to our last question. What is your biggest college regret? Oh, there are so many. Um, I think I regret not giving my all academically early on. That changed as I got further down the road. But I think I wish, honestly, I had gone into college without a firm major, which sounds counterintuitive. But I think if in that first semester, I had an opportunity to do some general studies and be exposed to some things, I would have changed my major a whole lot less. I went in with a lot of preconceived notions about majors and what they were. And it led me to changing my major quite a bit over the course of college because I didn't have a good sense of what a major's purpose was, what skills I had and talents that I really had. I just knew what people had kind of told me and what was rewarded in my high school experience, which although very important, was limited. And so I regret not taking a little bit more time especially in the early years, to slow down and really take it in and explore, use resources, use mentors. You know, I was worried about looking stupid. I was worried about not knowing, you know, looking like I didn't know. I I spent a lot of time trying to kind of keep up with other students who weren't first gen, who knew what was going on, who had support from their parents or had um, exposure to professional fields. And I, you know, I didn't want to be behind the curve. And so I, I just didn't allow myself to be a novice. And I think having um, a beginner's mind and being a novice is really important and in some ways helps you get the stuff you need because you're more willing to take on information and ask questions. And and I wish that I had done more of that. That is a a good point. This podcast, and I'm pretty sure your podcast as well, is is actually the core of it is regret. Not only my regret, but a lot of regret that a lot of college grads have, or even Mm -hmm. college students who hadn't completed or may have stopped out or dropped out. So I think just looking back on it all, if if a lot of college grads or college students who make mistakes can go back and tell the future grads of 2022 and beyond what we went through and what we would have changed, 
I think it can drastically change the mindset of some college students. I don't think we do enough of that. Absolutely. And I think it's hard. I mean, I think it's where you are when you're 18. You've got your defenses up. You want to seem smart. You want to seem like you know. And you don't know. Your, Your brain's not all the way online. And you're not always aware of how your knowledge connects to your judgment. And that's not any fault of any 18-year-old person. It's developmentally appropriate. But I think just being aware and having mentors and folks like you and I reminding students and and teaching students where about themselves and how to understand where they are, I think empowers students to know it's okay and gives them tools to make better decisions. Exactly. So we're going to delve into more of what you do, which I know is pretty interesting. So tell us about yourself, your career, and your business. Um, so, of course, my name is Katie Oliveira, and currently I'm both a contingent faculty or aka adjunct instructor and also um, run College Head Advice, which is a coaching service and um, community for any student really, but any student entering college, current college students, and even recent graduates who need help with the transition out of the college experience. I host the College Hood Advice podcast, which is focused on harnessing expert advice, advice that I have cultivated in my work as a coach and advisor over the years, and bringing that to students in a digestible, actionable way so that they can go out in the world and do something, take action on their life and not kind of passively get by through their college experience. I was inspired by the fact that there are so many students, especially students in the middle, in the middle class, in the middle academic talent, in the middle range, students who are perfectly fine. They're not at risk because they're struggling. They're not exceptional and um, the top of their class or in the honors program at their school, but they're in the middle. Kids like me, right, who are kind of middle class, uh, pretty bright, have lots of potential, but it hasn't been developed yet. And I, as in my role, um, I worked in higher ed for many, many years. I, I was an associate director of our, our academic advising center. I worked with first-year transition and helping students transition to the experience. And I oversaw a team of academic advisors. I supervised eight academic advisors and helped them, helped students through that transition. I helped to develop our orientation program. So I have a lot of experience in the academy, in higher ed, as an instructor, academic advisor, coach, and administrator. And in that time, I saw that though universities have so many resources, and a lot of the work I do is teaching students how to access and utilize those resources, I also saw that their resources are limited and they have to prioritize sometimes who gets help first. And I always found that to be really frustrating. And my desire was to develop all students, especially those who are seem like they're um, they're not assuming they're not on fire and they're not um, and they and they still need to do a little bit of work and so collegehood advice is designed to do just that it is you know you can listen to it on the way to class you can listen to it on your commute it covers a range of information so it's everything from time management strategies and study hacks all the way to um, 
more holistic information. So a couple of weeks ago, we had on the show um, a doctor to help navigate health and healthcare in, in college as you transition from having your parents take care of that. So we also deal with things about life and transitioning to college life, mindset, motivation, aspiration. It's kind of wide ranging and it's all based in struggles and questions that I've gotten over the years from my real life students. I think that's excellent, especially the advising is so key. So advising is actually one of my passions. The whole, because I think as a administrator, we need to change the way we advise. We're not just class, just scheduling classes is not just our job. We're here to mm-hmm. support the whole thing. So I'm all for proactive advising, holistic advising. We You should develop definitely develop a relationship with your advisor. So um, we have pr- a pretty similar career path that I know um, is fulfilling because we see st- thousands of students come in and they leave out very differently. So what is your personal journey? I know you shared a little bit about where you came from and your first gen. How does that, what is your philosophy of college education and how does your personal journey influence that? I think college education, although I don't think that it's necessarily for everyone, I think there are a lot of ways to get it done. But I think that college education is a really special, interesting institution that provides students with this investment in themselves. It's this time where you have access to resources, mentors, networks, learning and information and experiences that are there to develop you. And so one of my pet peeves and one of the things that I try to educate people about is pushing back on the idea that the college experience is just like a depot on the train ride to career and that you're just stopping really quickly, getting your degree and moving forward to career in this linear path. I think that there's a lot of dysfunctional belief around that idea that really holds people back from fully forming and developing into their best self. And I think if we settle and we don't harness our own potential, if we don't have our own skills shine, our own personality shine, and we don't do something that we really love and that really makes our heart sing, then we end up living a life that is not that happy and it's very stressful and we're always kind of looking for something bigger and better and we think, man, should I go back to school? Oh, I don't like my job. And I think some of that comes from this idea that if I get the good grades in high school and I get into a prestigious college and I major in just the right thing that will lead to this lucrative job, I will be happy. And that so many of us kind of push ourselves and our students through that formula and they end up on the other side, not happy and wondering if college was a waste. And so, and I hear that from students all the time. And so I like to think of the college experience in a more holistic, broad way I think it is a safe environment to allow young people who are developmentally poised for exactly this kind of personal development to take a minute where they are supported by professionals to explore their identity, take risks, learn new things, gain experiences, clarify who they are and what they want to be and what they want to do. 
and then go out in the world and do it. And so I think when we pressure students to enter the college experience already knowing all of that stuff, which I personally think is impossible, um, we put pressure on them to perform in such a way. On the other side, I think the, the other destructive piece of this myth is that students kind of phone it in and get by during college. They leave a lot to the to the point of the show to the main overarching theme is they leave a lot of stuff on the table and they don't maximize the experience. And I think the reason for that is that they think if I just go to a good college and I get a degree in the right major and I pass and I have that diploma, then someone's going to hire me for this like really awesome, lucrative professional job. And I'm going to go on my way and I'm going to, you know, have the nice house and the car and the trips. But I think that that's a really old paradigm and a myth that doesn't necessarily exist anymore. And I, I don't think it doesn't exist because college isn't worth it, which is what I think the rhetoric is. I think it doesn't exist because college doesn't help us create our best life in the way that people think, which is this kind of linear uh, path. I think instead, college helps us by giving us an opportunity to curate and collect an amazing tool belt of skills that will help us sort of level up. So I think about it kind of like a, a video game, right? If you're playing a video game and you're in the world, you got to get like resources, right? So you either have to get like power or powers or tools and you need those things so that when you hit a challenge, you have the tools you need to deal with that challenge. It's not like you just kind of go through, get all the tools, and then you win the game. You have to use those tools to level up in the game. And I think life is that way too. But people think that they get the tools in college and then they leave college and sort of just end up at the highest level, right? And it, it's, no, we've just provided you with some tools and now you have to take action and do something with those things. And so I'm very passionate about teaching students how to be intentional about how they use and participate in the college experience because as we know it is a giant investment it is a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of stress and a lot of work and so if you are just trying to get by you are not fully investing in this experience and you're not going to get everything you need out of it i think that is Everything you said was true. I was I was nodding quietly, um, pondering on the things that you've talked about. It is a huge investment and not probably not a day goes by that I see articles from big journal, you know, uh, journal articles from big name people questioning the value of college, whether it's something about student loan debt or something about um even Google and Apple are now dropping requirements for college degrees, which I think is good, but I think it it tells the wrong message that you don't need a college degree, that it's it's not as valued as high as it was. And we were, me and some colleagues were even discussing the other day about how uh, Yale and Harvard, their admission rates are dropping and nobody values even the t big names in education. So why do you feel like some people have begun to question this in the last couple of years? I know it goes up and down depending on economic trends, but why do you feel like some people feel as though the investment in education is not worth it? 
So I think that that's sort of a mythology. I actually wrote an article, and it's in Medium, in the publication called Good Education that some friends of mine have launched. And just as a side note, that's a great, if you're an educator listening to this, this is a great way to publish articles. And so um, I'll give Aaron the information to that. But I published an article in that, and I did some digging and research, and I think there's a couple things going on. I think one the number of high school students, just the aggregate number of high school students has declined. So there is a smaller number of students available to go to college. So even though graduation rates in high school are actually rising, there are fewer students because we had fewer babies. Um, The other thing is, is that trends show that undergraduate enrollment is actually holding steady and even has increased a little bit by 1%. Um, and in some, and there's a projection, I forget the year, but I think in the next, like maybe 2020 or 2022, that there's a projection that undergraduate enrollment is actually going to increase. But the issue is, is that institutions are coming off of record high. So where in, where admissions enrollment would be 30% higher in the last 20 years, right? It's now one or 2% higher. And so it's not keeping pace with the record growth of the 90s and aughts. It has declined, right? But it's not bottoming out. It's not that students are no longer going to college. I think the, so that's part one. I think part two is that there is a lot of rhetoric about the value of college, a lot of rhetoric about technology-based education, skill-based education, going online to get the skills that you need. And I think there is room for that. I think our system is one of the few systems in the world that doesn't have room for technical education in the same way that we value and honor college. And I think we maybe can make space for both kinds of education. But I think the third piece would be that there is a disconnect on what we think college education is for. I come from, I've gone to public schools, I've gone to private schools, I've worked at public schools, I've worked at private schools. And I think liberal arts education especially does a pretty good job of thinking about this is that the education system is really to holistically prepare students for leadership. And so college was not intended to create worker bees. College was intended to create professional leaders. And over the course of our history, as we know, many people were excluded from being able to participate in that. And as college became more accessible and more people came in, jobs continued to be professionalized, right? And more and more people were accessing professionalized jobs. And so the relationship between going to college and getting a job, I think that's where that relationship is created. And that As long as the college experience is tied to an economic outcome that is, I need college to get a job, if people can get a job without college, then they will because college is such an expensive investment. And in some respects, people feel like it's a luxury item to go and spend so much money on this personal development experience to then get out and get a job that doesn't pay as much as this job I could have gotten over here without a college degree. But I think that that's looking at things in the short term. I think if your goals are to create 
um, a well-educated populace, to create leaders, to be creative, to think critically, to develop really innovative things. Not to say that people who don't have a college degree can't do that, because absolutely they can. I think it's just harder to be self-motivated to do those things, and that college provides an incubator for people who maybe without the structure would have a harder time accessing some of those opportunities, a structured environment that can help them learn how to access those opportunities. And so I think um, I think it's a really big and complex topic with a lot of things going on around it and that there's probably more reasons for it than what I just mentioned. But I think that for me, those are a lot of the ideas that I think about and float around in my head. And my goal is not necessarily, I don't know that college is for everyone. I think I've met many people who didn't necessarily get a college degree who are living perfectly happy and successful lives. But I think if you're going to choose to make the investment in college, you can't just phone it in. You know, gone are the days where you go to college to, you know, party and get by and graduate and get a job. I think, and I think there's a lot of students who aren't doing that anymore. Um, but that myth holds in the popular culture. And so I think that there's a lot of ways to get it done. But if you're going to choose this way, then you gotta, you know, come up to the plate ready to to own it and take advantage of it. So there's, so we talked about value of education. And I don't think that while colleges are doing everything that they can to keep the costs at a minimum or where they are. I don't think college degrees are getting going to get any cheaper. So what are some things students are leaving on the table that have them to devalue their own education, to not maximize it? What are some things students do to uh, to just go to class and go home? What are they leaving in the middle? What are they not getting out of their education? Yeah, there's been some really great studies, um, and Purdue, and I'm trying to think, Gallup Purdue did a really interesting study of recent graduates and post, I think they actually did it over quite a bit of time, so of, of people who have undergraduate degrees, about those experiences that they wish they had taken advantage of during their college experience and what experiences were the most valuable. And so the the most valuable experiences in the college degree, in addition to the learning and information that you gain from a degree, is the network. And that network, network is just a fancy pants way of saying the people that you know and connect with and who know you. And I think we think of networks as too like old school, like, hey, here's my business card. But I think it's really just about building relationships. And so, for example, you know, Aaron and I connected on Instagram and then we were brave and reached out and said, hey, let's talk. Aaron was brave and reached out and said, hey, I like what you're doing. Let's talk. And we talked and we connected. And now we are networked. We are part of a community of people who have built a relationship and are trying to help students. That's all networking is. So I think networking, using friends and faculty, I think utilizing mentors, being that a staff person or a faculty person. So that requires you to put forth a little bit of effort, right? It requires you to be a little vulnerable, to go ask questions, to talk to adult 
staff members on your campus like an adult and let people in. Um, I think doing big creative projects that you can use to show your skill. So I think students don't take the opportunity to use their course projects in a way that can build a portfolio for them. They just are trying to get it done at the last minute to get a grade. And I think this is a giant disservice. So doing big research projects, turning those into research papers, and then going to a conference to present might be an example. Or making a beautiful piece of art, trying to get it in a exhibit um, might be another example. And I've had students do those things, and those students have been really successful because they did them. Um, those kind of things. I think students getting involved in a meaningful way. So instead of being in 20 clubs, right, getting in in an organization and becoming a leader in that organization, connecting with other chapters of your organization, um, getting work internships that are meaningful and continuing them multiple times if you can and getting mentors and, and networking there. So I think it's just you know, taking this opportunity to take some action and do some things that can be a little bit intimidating, but can make a world of difference when you go out into the workforce in both your ability to perform at work, but also your ability to get work because you have a connection of people. It's a lot easier to find work when you have evidence that you're a responsible person who can produce good work and you've worked with people and you have lots of people who can speak on your behalf, then it is to get work if you've just been getting by, getting seized, binge watching Netflix, showing up to class late, and only kind of being involved in a couple clubs and going to parties on Saturday. You're not going to have people who can speak to your work. You're not going to have anything to show for it. I don't think that you have to come from a fancy affluent, entitled background to access networks. I think if you go to college and you pick a club and you get really involved or you pick a issue and you get really involved or you pick a professor who can mentor you, opportunity will begin to open up. You can start to create and cultivate opportunity for yourself. But I think a lot of students feel like they're imposters and don't feel like that they can access those opportunities so they leave them on the table. And I don't remember the statistic, but there was it's quite significant. I want to say it was in the 70% of college graduates report leaving those opportunities um, on the table. I think that's a, a, a great point you brought up about the Gallup poll. I actually reviewed that article again last night in prepping for this show. I actually heard the raw data from the actual person who who was the lead person on the research about a year ago at a conference. And it was so eye-open. It wasn't eye-opening, but I was just happy that there was actual numbers to kind of the, the sermon I've been preaching to the administrators when I was an administrator about we have to build it into the curriculum that students have to do these things. We don't have a choice anymore for it to be extracurricular. It needs to be Mm co-curricular and it needs to be an expectation set from the university that students participate in these kinds of things, that they should have some type of signature involvement on their transcripts. So talking about co-curricular transcripts, and I know that's a little bit of a 
jargon and, and, and things for this show, but I think it's important for students to understand that once you graduate college and you look back on it, if you just go to class and you go home or you go to a job that's not connected to your career path, you are losing out. And when students who students who do everything they're supposed to get involved and and collaborate and meet friends of different cultures and backgrounds, when they look back at their college experience, they're not thinking about that test. They're thinking about that study group where everybody stayed up and and kind of played around but got stuff done. They th- think about the study abroad trip or things like that. So um, I think that's a great point. And when people look back on their college experience, they think about those big moments that people don't expect, like, oh, that's extra. I don't need to do that. I just need to make it in this class. But employers are looking for those skills. They are looking for, um, I think the article that I read from <clears throat> CNN was uh, leadership, communication, teamwork. There was one of our top five skills that employers today are looking for. So you can get that in the class a little bit. I know it's a two-way street. As administrators, we need to do more of that. But students can definitely get that through doing those out-of-class activities. Yeah, and the thing is, is if your college doesn't make you do that, take the initiative because initiative is one of the things that you want to demonstrate to employers. Employers reward initiative. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people out there who don't take initiative. So the simple act of taking initiative sets you apart in the in the workforce. And so I, it sounds silly, but it's so true. I mean, these simple things like taking initiative, being accountable, being able to communicate, being creative, advocating for yourself, those skill sets actually are rewarded in formal workplaces. And so the more that you can practice them in college, the more successful you're going to be because you're going to open doors to opportunities, but you're also going to hone those very simple but incredibly important skills. Most definitely. I can recall that my first professional job, even my big administrative position, I use my experiences from my undergrad career to get those jobs. So even though they may be seven years away, they will definitely count for something like it, you're building a resume and it doesn't just happen overnight. You just don't go from a shy girl in the corner to speaking in front of 200 overnight. It takes the, those practice runs when you're talking in front of organizations, sharing your idea, or you are giving a class presentation or in your, your internship, you may have to present what you've learned or what you what project you're working on. So definitely those experiences count. And if you talk to a lot of college grads who did do those things to maximize, you're going to find that they were incredible resources and tools to help them further their career and prevent some of those post-grad blues, which is another episode. I know everyone has those post-grad blues where you just think, just like you're talking about the myth mm-hmm. of students, oh, I'm going to get this job and I'm going to get a great salary. And you're six months post-graduation and you have no options. Nobody's calling you. You had not solidified anything. Those, those really come to those who worked and started that from their freshman year with internships and building up their soft skills, which... We don't like the term soft skills, but that starts early on. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I know we talked about, and you mentioned some of the things students leave on the table. 
What are some other things students can do to maximize their college experience? I think the other place that's super easy and simple that a lot of students leave on the table is utilizing your university's resources. You're paying for those resources in your tuition dollars. And I think students often have funny mindsets around asking for help or using resources like, I don't want to bother you. It, it, I don't want to look silly. This is a silly question. I'm embarrassed to ask this question. I actually got an email from a student who's a listener of my show a few weeks ago. And the student said, can I ask you a question? I'm really, really, really feeling embarrassed to ask it at my campus. And I was like, sure. And I'm thinking, I uh, this must be a really, you know, juicy question. And it was, how do I ask for a recommendation from a professor I haven't talked to in a while? And I thought, if students are too afraid, if you if you guys out there are too afraid to ask that kind of question to an administrator on your campus, um, then what else are you not asking us, right? And so my encouragement to you is we've seen a lot of students. I've seen thousands of students, literally, maybe even 10,000 students in my career from literally all over the world. I think I've worked with students from pretty much every continent, you know, except for things like Antarctica. But I've worked with students from South America, Europe, Africa, Middle East, Asia, you know, from Australia. I've worked with students from all around the world. And We've seen a lot of things. We've seen students from all over the U.S., from all different backgrounds and all different states and places. And, you know, I know it's cliche, but there really are no stupid questions. And you don't know what you don't know. And the only way to know what you don't know is to have that beginner's mind, ask questions, and use resources on your campus. So, you know, especially the, the I would say the top resources that I would recommend that you use is, like Aaron said, um, I am a proponent of holistic advising. I know it's not available at every university that some universities have constraints and their advising staff is directly giving schedules and helping with the registration process. But your advisor is a really good first stop. Your advisor is the master of referral. They can, if you ask them a question and they cannot answer it, they will tell you who on your campus can. And so I think that that is, if there is one thing beyond kind of searching around your website to try to figure out who can help you best is go to an advisor and ask your question and and then listen and do what they tell you to do. Go and talk to that office. Go and talk to that person. Go and talk to that professor. I think the other resource is professors. Going to office hours, asking questions, emailing, answering questions in class. That's so powerful. And a lot of students leave that one on the table, I think, because they're intimidated. Uh, and they're that's what they're there for. They're there to help guide and facilitate your learning experience. And so I think don't be afraid to use the professionals on your campus. That's something that so many people leave on the table. I think students get better at that as they age, but especially those of you who are first year sophomore and you're feeling a little intimidated or you're used to having that teachers are grownups and I'm a kid dynamic. The soon as you can dismantle that, I'm not a kid, I'm a young adult and look at the grownups, quote unquote, at your campus as adults who have more experience than you, who are there to guide and mentor you, the easier and the more rich and robust your experience will be. I love all of that. I feel when you said something about 
making sure they get all their resources they're paying for it. I should have taken this as a sign, but my, I think my second paper in my first year English class was titled, get your money's worth, get involved on campus or something like that. That was my paper in English. I should have taken a cue from that, but I still, hey, I still love biology, but I still love what I do now. Um, So yes, you pay for everything. There's um, I think I've, I've even had to utilize Yale and Harvard. I was like, they have tutors, they have private tutors. So if you, if, if students who go to Yale and Harvard have tutors, why are you so ashamed to step into a tutorial center that you've paid for, that your tuition dollars are going to? You need to be able to ask for help and take a shortcut. So I definitely agree with everything you've said there. We've come to the end of our conversation, which was a great conversation. I know that you're going to get a lot out of it. So, Katie, tell us about how students can reach you. And if they are in need of a college coach, how can they uh, retain your services? Yeah, so you can find me over at collegehoodadvice.com. There you can access a few things. I have a guide, um, totally free guide to help you navigate the most common mistakes college students make. I offer some coaching packages and also you can access the podcast. You can also access the podcast over on, of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Just search Collegehood Advice. And on social media, I am, I'm going to be totally honest, I am actually most active on Instagram and you can follow me at Katie, not at Katie, at Collegehood Advice. Um, so essentially, if you Google Collegehood Advice, you you pretty pretty well probably could find me, but come and visit, come join us on Instagram. I do weekly live Q&A so you can come there and ask questions. You can DM me. I check all of my DMs and I actually respond. You can email me. I check my emails and actually respond. And I love to hear from students. They are the foundation of my work and I love to work with you. So come on over um, to us. I help current college students, first-time college students, current college students, and recent grad who are experiencing that those post-grad blues, I've recently expanded to help them as well. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. It was a great conversation. And thank you so much. Great, Erin. Uh, it's been a really fun This podcast is sponsored by BePreppy.com, a college coaching company. Head over to BePreppy.com for free college success resources and to learn how you can secure a personal college coach. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on all social media channels at BePreppyLLC.